Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome listeners to the first installment in my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie review series. Today I am reviewing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is your host Corbin. And for those of you wondering, yes, this is the 1990 movie, the live action film, the one that started it all. Now, if you want to know about the production, how this came to be, when did the comic come out, the TV show, all of that can be found in your guide to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which came out last week. That's the first link in the description below. And while you're down there, we do have timestamps. So if you're ready to jump straight into the review or even want to know my rating and recommendation, check out those timestamps, links to our social pages as well. All kinds of goodies can be found down below. You're not going to want to miss that. And of course, no matter where you're listening, make sure to click subscribe. This, uh... This series, I think I'm in for it this time. <laughs> I am. I'm hoping I'm going to be able to recommend at least one of these films, not to tip my hand too early, but you're not going to want to miss that. You're going to want to come along for the ride with me. So I was not born in 1990. I would be born five years later. So I missed the trilogy in theaters. I don't even remember seeing this on TV. I don't even remember how I got the DVD, but one day I did. I got the DVD. I watched it with my family. I highly enjoyed it. I want to say I probably came to this when I was around eight years old-ish, and I think this is a good movie for younger kids. It is rated PG. There is some action violence in it, which I know upset the toy company and upset some parents. You can hear all about that in your guide to this film. But nevertheless, that's my background with it, was watching it on DVD many times as a kid. Now, if I would have saw the trailer back in 1990 and I would have been old enough to go see this film, just going off of my adult perspective, first off, though, the opening for this trailer is kind of goofy. You know, the trailer tells you, you know, up front what the audience that this movie is aimed towards. You can tell this is going to be aimed towards a younger audience. If I would have been a kid, it definitely would have piqued my interest. I definitely would have tried to see this as a kid in theaters. If not, you know, hopefully renting it at my local Hollywood video. As an adult, I probably wouldn't have gone to see this film, definitely not by myself, or even with my wife, that really wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. It's not a bad trailer, but it's not a great trailer either. Well, listeners, if you have not seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is kind of a mouthful to keep saying, and you don't want the film spoiled for you, then go ahead and click pause. It is streaming on HBO Max as of the time you're, well, not as of the time you're listening to this, as of the time of this recording, it is streaming on HBO Max. It is also pretty easy to find on physical or digital. So go check out the film. If you don't want to spoil it for you, then come back here and click play, and we'll be ready to talk about it. Here is your 30-second plot. A crime wave has hit New York City. Electronics are being stolen in mass, male youth is rebelling, and news reporter April O'Neil is ruffling feathers in City Hall. 
One night, she's nearly mugged when mysterious heroes strike from the shadows to rescue her. Eventually, she finds out they're human-sized turtles led by their rad master, Splinter. Meanwhile, Splinter's nemesis, Shredder, is shown to be the leader of the aggravated male use known as the Foot Clan. The Foot try to destroy the turtles and Splinter. They succeed in capturing Splinter, but merely send the turtles on the run to April's farmhouse, where they recuperate. Eventually, they return to NYC and use the power of teamwork to seemingly beat Shredder, but thanks to their new hockey-powered sidekick, Casey Jones, Shredder seems to perish, and they high-five, eat pizza, and all's well that ends well. So the opening of this film is pretty goofy. They're already trying to reference Ghostbusters. We hear even the who you gonna call. Somebody says that. The turtles are in the shadows. We don't get a good look at them, especially when they're rescuing April. I thought that was a clever way to conceal them until the time was right. The one thing that I remember coming into this movie, or at least I should say coming back to it, that I always liked, it's fun to see their suits. Now, these suits are done by the Jim Henson Creature Shop. Yes, the Jim Henson himself worked on the animatronics for this. His son, Brian Henson, was the second unit director and lead puppet master. So that's why I think the quality of these suits holds up so well. Now, of course, this was you know made on a $13 million budget in 1990, so it's not going to knock anyone's socks off today. But for the amount of expressions, for the lifelike qualities, I'll say, of these tur turtles, of these life-size turtles, it's pretty impressive. And of course, they do have this almost clay look to them, especially on the poster for the film. I really do like that. And speaking of the turtles, they are able to move very well. I think that's a great achievement. Getting these turtles to do martial arts in these, you know, hot rubber suits, the action really isn't half bad, especially for you know, a 90s kids tween type film. There is some funny dialogue in this movie, such as, why don't I ever dream of Harrison Ford, April asks. Also, they tell April it's time to switch to decaf because she seems to be so anxious. I thought those were somewhat funny lines. I also really appreciate that while this is technically a comic book movie, they're not too focused on the origin story for these characters. Now, we do learn the origin 23 minutes in, but instead of starting the movie with this origin, it's told in a very unique way. I think they are trying to create a Japanese storytelling, at least from the you know old Japanese films that I've seen, such as Quaden. This seems to represent some of that storytelling style. So I do appreciate they're going for something different. They're not really getting bogged down in the origin. And we're really here to watch these characters have fun and do some cool action moves, defeat the bad guys, probably should learn some life lessons. And you know what? This film, by and large, looks cheap. I think so. But they're really trying. They don't have a lot to work with, but what they do have to work with, I, I appreciate that they're giving it a pretty strong effort. And it is funny. I already mentioned this in your guide, but Sam, young Sam Rockwell is in this movie. And you can definitely tell it's him. I had to do a double take. It's definitely Sam Rockwell. It's his third film. I should also mention Casey Jones, the Robert De Niro lookalike. He's pretty funny. I do like his inclusion into the movie, even though he feels pretty shoehorned in. 
but that's just how everything goes in this movie just stuff happens to move the plot along even if it's completely illogical now what i don't appreciate is they are taking a lot from the karate kid especially even some bill and ted definitely these turtles imitate them my wife noticed that right away shredder is supposed to be darth vader maybe even a cobra commander from gi joe we even get Master Splinter as a Jedi ghost. I'm just thinking, you know, I get it. You might as well imitate things in pop culture that people love, people appreciate, or at least have enjoyed over the past few years. It just doesn't make for a very original storytelling, especially the Karate Kid. And my wife recognized that right away, even though she's only seen the first Karate Kid movie. She has seen Cobra Kai. This very much used Karate Kid as a template for a lot of its story progression and character moments and whatnot the one thing that i will say i noticed was kind of weird double dragon yeah check that one out i think double dragon's actually chasing this one's shell wink wink but nevertheless i will say i'm finding myself disappointed coming back to this as an adult i'm really finding this movie strictly is for kids it's, it's bringing back a lot of memories not necessarily really fond memories but the memories are still there nonetheless but as an adult, it's just not really geared towards my level. I also will say Shredder as a villain in this is fairly weak. The final fight with Shredder is not that exciting. I get it. It teaches them teamwork. They all get a pot shot in at him. But nevertheless, I really forgot how, you know, uninvigorating this was. It does not get your blood pumping whatsoever. Just also honing in on how cheap this movie is. They do even repeat footage. In at least two scenes, I was not thrilled to see that. The score of this movie is pretty darn bad. I found it to be maybe a step above something you would hear on a Saturday morning cartoon. I'm not crazy about the cinematography either. Some of it is very well done, um, but some of it is pretty bad. This film is like off the charts grainy, at least my DVD is. I've heard that the DVD actually is the preferred way to see the director's vision. The Blu-ray, they tampered with the lighting. So what you see on the Blu-ray, it's not really how you, the director wanted you to see it. This movie also might promote bad behavior as being cool. There's not a lot of consequences or really any consequences at all for those in the Foot Clan. Essentially, they're just on this pleasure island like in Pinocchio. They're smoking, drinking, gambling. They get to play video games. They get a skateboard. They don't have to go to school. They're kind of living the life with very few consequences, at least as far as I can tell. I do think it's still kind of weird the turtles have a crush on a woman. I get it. They've been, you know, I don't know, anthropomorphized to be, you know, these humanoid creatures. But nevertheless, it's still strange that they have a sexual attraction to a female it, it's not weird. I'm probably going a little too far into it, but nevertheless, I can't help but feel it's a little weird. Also, the character April does have a lot of voiceover in this. It's not necessarily bad, but I just think it's too much. She even reads her diary. She writes a diary while on the farm, and it's supposed to, it's supposed to be really pensive and thought-provoking. It's just, it's not good. It's bad, unfortunately, to hear her go on and on about this stuff so much. As a kid, I really enjoyed watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles many times between the ages of, from what I remember, 8-ish to 12-ish. While it wasn't one of my favorites from childhood, it's one I do have fun memories of enjoying. 
Coming to it as an adult, I find it too hard to capture my attention, even for these slim 90 minutes. This is best enjoyed watching with kids and not by yourself or with your unhappy wife. While I love the turtle designs, there's not much here to offer, and what is here isn't enough for me to recommend it to anyone over the age of 12. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles receives 4 stars out of 10 with a not recommend. Now, if you are under the age of 12, like I said, I do recommend you check this out. Maybe it won't be as flashy as what you're used to nowadays. I doubt I have any 12-year-olds listening to this, but if I do have parents listening to this, this could be a fun family movie night or father and son type movie or something for your kid to watch, you know, one summer afternoon. So even though I'm not recommending it, I'm happy I still own the DVD and I never got rid of it. If I didn't own the DVD, I would add this one to my collection just for posterity's sake for a very cheap price. I did, I will save it for later how I got the other ones in my collection. But believe me, listeners, if you want to, Stay on the lookout. You can add this to your collection for dirt cheap. So other movie recommendations I have for you, uh, the Gumby movie, which came out in 1995. I do feel like there was some similarities with this. I couldn't help but notice. I'm also going to be recommending G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, which would come out in the next millennium, actually. I do think that is a fun kind of cartoon comic book type movie. One more so to be enjoyed around the ages of 12, 13, 14. Bill and Ted, the first one, Big Trouble in Little China. I think there's a little bit of a similarity here that you might find enjoyable. And also the Karate Kid, at least the first one, or in my personal favorite, the third film. Believe it or not, listeners, this was the most successful independent movie of all time. Yeah, until the Blair Witch Project dethroned it. This movie was huge. We talked about that last week. Only 386 days later, just barely over a year, the sequel hit theaters with the subtitle The Secret of the Ooze. So this seems to be more of an origin story than we got in this one. So I'll be curious. I should put face it up front. I have not seen TMNT 2, TMNT 3. I did see the actual one titled TMNT, when that hit theaters, uh, I was straight up 12 years old, saw that in theaters with a friend. We'll save that for a couple weeks down the road. And I never saw the Michael Bay produced um, new films, the brand new films. So a lot of this is going to be new to me. Well, next time we have a new director, we have a new April, we have new voice actors for the most part. Casey Jones does not return, and we, but we do have the same writer, minus one. One guy dropped off, but one guy stayed on. So... It's going to be a different crew, but they did essentially turn around and go straight into production on the next one while hiring all new people for the most part. It was a hurried mess, but we'll talk about that next week. The question after the show, did you enjoy Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a kid? If you're just coming to it as an adult, do you find it to be too much out of your age range? I'm very curious what you all will say. That question is down below and the email is down below or no matter where you're listening, go ahead and comment. I'm curious to know what you all think. Thank you listeners for coming along with me on my first review for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm looking forward to coming back next week and exploring something I've never seen before. I totally missed out on it as a kid. So it will be a little hard to come to it as adult eyes. I won't have the nostalgia like I did for this one, but you're not going to want to miss that review. So don't forget to click subscribe if you haven't already. 
and I will see you next week, cowabunga dudes. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.